going to be continuing on in our series, Only Human. And this is, as a matter of fact, this is exactly the same passage we looked at last week, and we're going to look at it again, uh, just slightly different way. And we asked the question, what does it mean to be human? So, if you would, uh, open your Bibles. It will also be on the screen behind me. And I'm going to be starting down in verse 26. Hear the word of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens over the li- and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is infallible and errant. It is your Uh, revealed will to us that we might know how to know you, that we might know how to be saved and redeemed, and that we might know how to live. And so, Lord, as we come to your word, I pray we help us to do that humbly. Lord, in your Holy Spirit, help us to come and and, and to learn and to know what you have have for us today. And, Lord, transform us in your word this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we're in a series, Only Human. We've been asking the question, what does it mean to be human? And so this is really kind of a foundational truth class or something. We're, we're really just looking at some really basic ideas. But to answer that question, what does it mean to be human, how we answer that is really crucial into how we live, how our societies run, and a whole number of other issues that can c- come out to play, like we saw last week. Um, how, how we answer this question, personally, socially, and politically, could really determine the course of our lives. How the Germans answered this question in the, in the 30s and 40s led to World War II and a mass genocide. How we answer this question for ourselves will have a, a large effect on how we view ourselves, our self-esteem, and how we relate to other people. And so it is a, a hugely important question. And there's no place where this question really gets tougher and more contentious when you start to talk about gender. Um, I mean, it, it, it gets, there it, is no more, it's, and it's asked really that today in our culture, it, it is not, it's being asked more and more about gender, and there's no, and there's more and more confusion at this point of what it means to be a human in the area of gender. Um, so, for example, y'all may re- remember not too long 
ago in, in North Carolina. A few built house bills there, and there's uh, their houses in it were, were passed. One uh, having inclusion, allowing for men and women uh, to share the same bathrooms. There was outrage about this, and there was all kind, you know, and 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 on both sides of the issue, it was a hot, uh, very uh, contentious debate. Should we be inclusive, allow anybody to use any bathroom they want, and not discriminate whether they they uh, feel like they're a woman or a man with a man's body or whatever, or should we just go and just leave it? And so eventually, it was passed that no, they're not going to do that. It's going to be, if whatever your birth certificate says, that's the bathroom you're allowed to use. And North Carolina paid the price for that. Media outlets, organizations, companies boycotted. I mean, it was a big issue. And it remains a really big, hot, contentious issue in our culture today. And so, I think as God's people, we need to be able to answer this question well. We need to be able to answer this qu- question very clearly. And, and, and also be able to answer it intelligently without name-calling and all the stuff that normally goes around this issue. So here in Genesis, though, we get a clear teaching on how God created us. Very simple, clear teaching on how he created us. And the first thing we see in this passage, we already saw last week, God created us in his image, giving us value and significance. But this week we see, first of all, that God, that gender itself is designed by God. Gender is a part of his creation. So like I said, last week, and we saw in Genesis that, that humans, mankind, were created in his image and after his likeness. That we are created in, with the ability of reflecting and, and imaging who God is. And that makes us important makes us unique in all the other creation it makes us significant it makes us valuable we, we talked about the implications if you miss that point then you're left with a, num- a, a, a whole other series or whole other option list of what makes somebody valuable or not the way you look how much money you have the color of your skin when you were born where you were born all kinds of other criteria talked about capacity and how capacity is a criteria being used in, in, in terms of whether a, a, an unborn fetus is, is valuable or not. And we, we said if capacity is the judge there, then the capacity has to be judged throughout life. So if you're mentally incapacitated, then you're not valuable. Or if you're senile and you, and you, can't, you, know, you don't have normal capacity to take care of yourself, make decisions, then you're not valuable either. And so we saw that... To be created in the image of God is hugely important. Then we see here that not only is humankind created in the image of God, but it's God created mankind in the image of God, but he also created them, we see here, male and female. That's a clear distinction being made here. So men and women are created equally in God's image, possessing the same value and significant as the other. So that's important here. It's not saying, it's very clear and very um, intentionally added here that God created a male and female, but including males and females in the image of God. 
And so you can't say, oh, it was just man was created. And women aren't quite in the image of God. Women can't reflect the image of God um, like women, like men can. Okay? And so what, what this means is because men and women both possess the Imago Dei, the image of God, both men and women are equally valuable. Men aren't better than women. Women aren't better than men. Men aren't more valuable than men, women. And women aren't more valuable than men. Okay, we are equally valuable. And that is super important. Because there's no, you know, uh, can't, man can't say, oh, you're just a woman. A woman can't just say, you're just a man, and so on. That we are created equally, but we are also created differently. We are cre- and so that's the part that's important as well. So we're created in the same way in the image of God, but we're created differently as male and female. And so man is further described as being created male and female. And so this means God created us equal, but we possess different characteristics. So we're equal in value, but different in characteristics. Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, yeah, we know. Okay? But let's just, let's just go here, okay? Because science, science, the medical community, they, they have come and real, realized this as an established fact that men and women are different. It took science to figure that out. I don't know, man. Like, I've been around some, some, some ladies, and it's pretty obvious we're pretty different in a lot of different ways. But let's go there. Okay, that men and women are physiologically different. Women, for, okay, as a rule, for example, the men's brain, man's brain is about 10% heavier than the female brain. Um, okay, and so we're bigger, our brains are a little bigger. Women's brains, however, show significantly stronger patterns or, or interconnectivity across brain regions. So they connect the dots. Um, men's brains show significantly greater uh, connectivity with uh, local brain regions. We're compartmentalized. I've never heard of that before. Um, uh, male skin, skin is micro, microscopically thicker than women's skin. Women tend to do better on tests measuring sensitivity to odors, which is a, a cruel joke, I think, that God would do that. Because our species tends to just smell worse most of the time. Okay? Women... Uh, <laughs> although some women are stronger than, than some men, the average man's, uh, is, uh, man's um, have heavier bones, bulkier muscles, and so on. On average, the areas of the brain involving language and fine motor skills mature earlier in girls. Uh, during adolescence in girls, a larger fraction of the brain um, activity associated with negative emotions moves up to the cerebral cortex. So the, the 17-year-old is able to explain why she is feeling sad in great detail while men or boys can't do it <laughs> okay so this reminds me and you the list goes on that's just physiological differences but as we talked about last week that god intentionally created us out of the dust of the earth which makes us a, a part of we are biological physiological beings and and that affects our personalities how we relate to other people and it even affects us spiritually and that's a good thing and those differences are a good thing it reminds me of a, a comedian, um, what's his name, uh, Mark Gunger. 
I'm not sure he's still popular anymore. He was a Christian comedian. And he talks about the differences between men's brains and women's brains. And he has these little statues. And he has these little, thing, these little heads. With, he opens it up and shows the brain. And he's like, here's a man's brain. And a man's brain is, it, it's like a bunch of little boxes. And in, in each of those little boxes, there's thoughts and, and categories. And, and, but here's the thing about those boxes. Those boxes never touch. And so when a man goes into his brain, he'll take out one of those little boxes, very careful not to let them touch any of the other boxes. And he, and he goes on to say, uh, but he goes to the woman's brain, it's really funny, he goes over and he opens it up, and, and he looks in and he like does the, you know, <laughs> and he says, the woman's brain, it's like a, a bunch of wires, and they're all crossing and connecting and touching and, you know, and so on, and he goes on about that. And then he talks about the man's brain. He goes back there and he says, the man's brain, it's all, you know, think about what you got to know about some of those boxes, they're empty. There's nothing in them at all. And, and so that's where the guy, he'll take that box out, and that's when he's sitting in front of the TV going, clicking, or sitting in front of the fire going, ooh. You know, or fishing, right? That's the empty box. He goes, you know, goes on and on about. But men and women, just in case you didn't know, are different. However, there, there's a, a large uh, part of our culture today that is trying to downplay and, and, and ignore and, and, and the differences between men and women. For example, there was going to be a show, I think it was on Discovery Channel or something, just talking about the scientific evidence, you know, the differences between men and women and their bodies and physical. And there was this huge outcry. And the show got canceled. Because um, the responses in our Western culture is that to ignore such and treat men and women as identical, virtually interchangeable. And the motivation for that... It's a good motivation is that that we would create that we would treat men and women the same that we wouldn't discriminate because somebody's a woman or a man or whatever and that that maybe wages would be equal and all these kind of things and those are that's an important motivation but the problem is you have to do that if you don't have what imago day if you don't have the image of god creating us as equal then you just have to say we're the same or we're not equal. You see the problem? And so our culture says we're just the same. And the problem with that is it just doesn't work. We just can't be the same. We're not. We're created differently. And so the, you know, the problem with, with just ignoring the differences is you begin to miss something really beautiful about God's creation. And that, that is men and women and our differences are created to complement one another. Okay, this is called complementarity. Okay, so I would be a complementarian. It would mean that men and women, in our differences, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and even spiritually, are created to complement one another. And in that, we can image God together in a way we cannot image God apart from each other. In other words, there's ways that I can image God that my wife cannot image God. And there's ways that she images God that I cannot image God. 
It's incomplete. And therefore, when we come together, we we, our strengths come together and you have complements. So, for example, one author put it this way. We are built to need relationships that complement our characters, passions, and ways of thinking. As each of us are created as complex yet incomplete reflections of God's image, our genders play a critical role in displaying that image. And so God created us equally in His image, but differently to complement one another. That's the design. That was the goal. That's the positive message of God's word. However, we also know not only is gender a design of God, but gender has also been marred. There is a problem that has arose. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks when we dig into the fall more in depth. However, Let's just say, in chapter 3, when man and woman fell, they rebelled against God. They stepped into autonomy, self-sufficiency. And they, they just said, God, we don't need you. We're going to do our own thing. In that, not only was relationship with God and one another broken, but also gender was marred. And there was all sorts of problems. So, according to God's word, God designed men and women to possess masculinity and femininity in a way that would glorify him and bring out the beauty of each other that's what we're designed to be okay however in the fall this would be harmonious relationship not just in marriage but with other males and females in our world that that would be harmonious beautiful dance that should be happening is just been shattered and broken and history has been an example of it. Selfishness, self-sufficiency, shame, and the power struggle were a result of it all. We're going to see that as we talk about the fall later. Okay? And this has been witnessed uh, time and time again throughout history. That men and women have been, been the, the, the dance that should have happened, the beautiful choreography, whatever, it turned into abuse, neglect, struggle, abandonment, betrayal. I mean, the ultimate battle of the sexes has raged throughout history. And unfortunately, being the physically weaker of the two, women have been at the, the, the butt end of that. Women have been on the hard end of that throughout history. Women have faced all these things in, in horrible ways. But in that, men have suffered. But just think about this, this new thing now, the, the Me Too movement. Is just another evidence, another example of this uh, relationship and this, this image of God being man and woman, being functioning and complement to one another, being broken. Okay? With this, and so, with that, yes, there's abuse and neglect and all these things that we've seen uh, throughout the years. Uh, also, you, you have countless examples of what I like to say when the wires get crossed. When, when, when gender just really simply just gets confused. And, and this isn't anything new. So we could talk about transgenderism. Uh, there's a thing, a, an actual psychological diagnosis, gender dysmorphia. Um, 
their same-sex attraction, there's homosexuality, there's a, a list of areas in which, I'm not, gonna try to, I'm not digging into all that today, but in which gender and our roles and who we are and how we are functioning together, it just is confused and very often chaotic. And that's the, our culture today doesn't know what to do with gender. We, we don't know how to deal with it. And so it just becomes more and more crazy and confusing. Um, so, uh, here's, but here's the thing. The Bible's teaching on the cause and, issue, on the, and, and, the, cause and the issues, now I'm not going to try to simplify it, of these uh, problems um, is at odds with our, our culture's narrative. Our culture's narrative says, you know, back in the old days, when we, when we were just ignorant buffoons, it, was sim- it seemed simple that you just, if you were born a man, you were a man. If you are born a woman, you are a woman. But now, we know better. We know that it's possible to have another identity and be born, in a, a man be born in a woman's body, or a woman born in a man's body, or any of these other issues. And so now that we know better, we need to realize, and we need to not only um, not discriminate and treat people that are different but poorly, but we need to encourage them and support them and, and, and get behind them and, and be with them in that. Um, that's the culture's narrative. And what that means for us as God's people is that it, we're going to be at odds with that. Because it's clear that how you're born, man or woman, is important. How you're born physically, how you're born physiologically, it matters in tune, in tune of who we are. Um, okay, but the Bible's teaching on this is, is in contrast with that. But here's the thing. This is where we've messed up as God's people is even though we, you know, these aren't things that are new. The Old Testament references transgenderism, by the way. So it's not a new issue. These are not new things. However, God's people have not dealt with these things in love and grace because these are real issues. When somebody is struggling with gender dysmorphia or transgenderism or any number one of these issues, those are real issues. They're not just, these aren't people that just said one day, oh, I want to do this. Because I know people. I know them. I've had conversations with them. They're not things necessarily they asked for. They're real struggles that are a result of the fall that we, in the, in the broken world and the broken humanity that we live in, it's a result of that. And now they're struggling. And so how do we, do we just, we just cast them aside and say, you're going to burn in hell, we're going to pick at their funeral? No. We, we love them. We show them grace and mercy, the same love and grace and mercy that God shows us in loving us. And so here's the thing. We're gonna, we need to be able to disagree. Okay, but here's the and we need to be able to agree to disagree at times with our culture. But we need to uh, disagree agreeably. We, and we need to do it with grace and love and intelligence. And, and, and better yet, pointing to the, 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 the ideal that God created. The beautiful um, 
image of God displayed in male and female coming together and, and complementing one another. So let's just real quick, I want to summarize where we're at so far. So first of all, we're creating God's image. Are you with me on this? Secondly, we're created equally in value and in significance. We are created differently in, as male and female. And we're created to complement one another. And this created design, however, is marred and broken by sin. But here's the good news. Okay? Gender is restored in Christ. Part of salvation, part of God's plan of redemption is that our gender, gender would also be um, restored and redeemed. Look, look, what, look, look with me in Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 9. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. There is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but all, but Christ is all and all and in all. Excuse me. There it is. So we have put off the old self and we're being put on, we're, the new self is being put on. In other words, we are being restored into the, that image, that image of this creator right here. We are being renewed in knowledge after the image of, of its creator. That's a part of salvation. What is that image? That includes, we've already seen in Genesis, we created male and female. And so, we are being created, or you're being restored, recreated, renewed into the image of what it means to be truly a man and what it means to be truly a woman. So, then there's a, a huge question that we're not going to be able to really dig in deep into today, but what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And the problem with that is the church and our world mix it up and mess it up so badly. I've been in so many, I've seen, especially, you know, the, the, new, the new Calvinism, the, the, the Acts 29 churches and stuff, you know, it's like, man up, you know, be, be be a real man, you know, be tough, be macho, do all this kind of stuff. And is that, be, is that really what it means to be a man? Or women, you know, now women are just, it's really confusing. Are you supposed to be a career person? You're like really going after it. You, you know, what, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And it's really confused these days. Men don't know what to do anymore. Because, you know, if you're macho and you're, you know, do things like that, you're just misogynist and you're a pig, you know. Um, if, you, if you don't. You're a weakling, you're a mush, or whatever. And so there's all these, you know, issues and confusions that occur. So what does it mean to be a man and a woman according to God's word? Now, again, that's, that's a whole series on its own, okay, obviously. Okay, but let's just go back to this passage. What does it mean to be a man and a woman? Well, he's created us man and woman, but he did that as reflectors of his image. But the core of what it means to be a woman is that we would reflect and display God's glory. But here's the thing. We do it very differently. And as you begin to look at that, then you can start to see how, as a man, I'm going to express that, that imago day differently than a woman will. And vice versa. And so, um, uh, there was a... Uh, 
Nathan Bell, who's a Christian counselor, and he may have stole this from somewhere else. I don't know, but I'm going to credit him. Um, he came up with a really unique chart that might be helpful in this, okay? And so if you see here, man, men and women, uh, men and women, and how we reflect God's image differently. So, for example, men. This is how we image, right? how we're seen. Okay, men seek excellence. And we, and we display God's glory in our excellence. And women, first, they do so in beauty. In displaying the beauty of God. And the importance. Men seeking and showing significance. And women on the, other, on the opposite would be preciousness. And then men seeking and showing respect. Women seeking, showing to be treasured. And in our value, men looking to be worthy, women seeking loveliness. And, and they're, they're, the goal, in many ways, is the same, but it's, new, it's different, and it's beautiful, and they complement one another. And so, for example, uh, there was one author who wrote a book called Love and Respect, and how men tend, in our, in our physiology, in our spirit, you know, in our psychology, seeking the idea of respect, excellence, significance, wanting to be respected and worthy. And, and, and so a wife, and when she bestows that, he feels loved and, and affirmed and so on. And women, on conversely, seek to be adored and cherished and loved. They want to be seen as beautiful, treasured, treasured, and lovely. And when a man shows a woman that, then, then there's this dance. However, when that breaks down, there's struggle in the marriage. When a woman isn't showing respect, and a man is not adoring his wife, the relationship starts to break down. And so, this is just a little t- tip of the iceberg, okay? What does it mean to be a man, a, word, a man or a woman according to God's word? Okay? Basic idea is men and women, we reflect the character of God differently. But beautifully, as we come together. So, here's the thing. Jesus ultimately displayed what it means to be human. Jesus displayed for us what it means to be human, and and truly human in every way, in his most beautiful form. So, for example, Jesus showed both strength, compassion, protection, and nurture, excellent and beauty, worth and loveliness. Like how in one person do you see this whole chart? What we did in Jesus. He showed us humanity in its most beautiful, excellent form. And here's the thing. By going to the cross, Jesus showed us the two pinnacles of what it means to be a man and a woman. First of all, Jesus showed us the highest pinnacle of what it looks like to submit. Jesus submitting himself to the Father. Saying, your will be done, not mine. And then conversely, Jesus showed us the strength and power of sacrifice. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he showed us submission and sacrifice. And he did that so that we can begin to be restored. 
And when we come and we, and we believe that Jesus lived a perfect life we could never live, and he died a death we perfectly deserved, he, he invites us in to be restored and renewed in our, in our masculinity and in our femininity. And so Jesus did this so that we could be restored, so that we could begin to complement one another and stop trashing each other. Reminds me of um, um, my senior year in college. I, I was just telling him this morning, I studied classical guitar. It wasn't my major or anything. It's kind of thing I did on the side, a la carte from my uh, Bible degree. Um, but uh, at the end of the year, um, I, I think I had to do a senior recital as well. But a friend of mine, she was a flautist. That means she played the flute. I, I didn't know that until that point. Uh, but she played the flute, and she was a beautiful flautist <clears throat> and so she asked me to uh to help her with her senior recital she needed to do a duet and so we began to work on this together and here's the thing a flute is a very beautiful instrument isn't it especially if you can have you seen the guy that beatboxes and flutes that's super cool she couldn't do that as far as i know uh but she, i mean she played beautifully and the flute is a very beautiful uh instrument but also the guitar is also a very beautiful instrument. But you think about how different they are. You know, uh, one, you hit strings and you bang on it and all things like that. A flute, you know, is very lovely and, and melodic and so on. And here's the thing. What was really cool was, just as an example, when, the, when we brought those two instruments together, something totally new, something so much more beautiful. So they, began, they came together and they complemented especially the music that was written for it, as God would write our stories together, um, that, that music that it was written for was designed that the two instruments, so different, equally beautiful, would come together, complementing one another, and created something even greater, even more beautiful. That's what we see here in Genesis. And that's what we see in the work of Christ being and restoring us. That we wouldn't just be restored individually as single souls, but that we would be restored in our marriages and in a community together, male and female, differently coming together to complement each other. That is the picture of the gospel we see here. And so, we are, there's gender. God created it. And it's broken. The good news is, He's restoring it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this good news. Lord, what a beautiful picture, Lord. And man, as you start to talk about it, just ideas and thoughts of how messed up and broken it can be. How we objectify each other, how we abuse one another, how we neglect one another. Instead of coming together uh, and and, uh, living and our excellence and beauty and, and all those things that we might complement each other displaying your beauty and glory. And so, Lord, I pray, uh, first of all, that, it, that if someone in here doesn't know you, Lord, that they would know that all they would need to do is believe and trust and receive your finished work on the cross and that process of restoring your, that your humanity and your gender um, would begun, begin. And, Lord, I pray that they would receive that. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, those of us who are being restored, who have 
the old self is being put off and the new self is being put on, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would um, help us. Lord, help us to know who we are in you as man and woman. And Lord, as we relate to the opposite sex, Lord, I pray that we would do so respecting that everyone is created immensely significant and valuable in your image. So, Lord, help us to do this, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so...